0: Everybody this is Todd McFarland here I got the DC Multiverse and you're listening to DC Collector Cast.
1: Welcome to DC Collector Cast talking action figures and collectibles from the DC universe. I am your host Benjamin David, collectors, citizens of the DC universe. I know it's been a hot minute since we posted but we return for the best of reasons and that is we have a new DC movie. As you guys know, Zack Snyder's Justice League, the Snyder Cut was released, March, was released March 18th on HBO Max. It's April 1st as we record this, so it has been out for a few weeks at this point. We've all seen it. I've personally seen it three times, plus I watched some of Justice is Gray. Uh, we did our Snyder Cut two-part review on our Above and Batman Beyond YouTube channel and podcast. Please consider subscribing, check all that out. But one thing I've still yet to do is talk to another human being about this thing. <laughs> So I've chosen, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite of the humans, a good friend, fellow caster of the pod, protector of Earth, close friend of the network and DC toy photographer extraordinaire, the great Scott at the Dot Bat fan. Say hello, Scott.
0: Hello. How are you doing, Ben?
1: Have you ever gotten an intro like that?
0: I haven't. I've very immaculately rehearsed. I've got to say that was perfect.
1: (laughs) I added the protector of the Earth.
0: Oh, I like that bit. That's good. That's good.
1: That line is just so good. No protectors here. No lanterns. Just oh, fall. Right. That gave me the chills. Even in the the Justice League trailer, I remember that line. Um. Anyway, so no idea why they cut that line. Right. Like, why would? Oh, god. Well, we'll get into that. So today, Scott and I will be talking all things Snyder cut. Uh, again, this won't be an actual review since the movie's been out for a few weeks, but I did also want to record. An actual conversation about the movie and could not wait to talk specifically to scott in fact the second i was done with my first viewing uh you know certain scenes of this stuff i thought about this guy the whole time watching it just knowing how much he must have been loving it i i think about you scott that's what i'm saying
0: (laughs) well i do appreciate that and yeah amazing movie so much to it oh my god
1: uh, but before we jump into it, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. We're on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, again, we are DC Collecticast. Please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, that's Above and Batman Beyond. We have a bunch of collectibles coverage there interviews from Toy Fair, interviews with Todd McFarlane, Flim uh, Jetcher, Jim Fletcher, to name a few. <laughs> uh, I guess it wasn't rehearsed, Scott. Badly rehearsed, I guess. <laughs> and with the McFarlane Batman Beyond figure arriving, hopefully. Sooner than later. I just got my delay email from friggin' Target saying that's on delay, but we'll definitely have some video coverage of that uh coming soon. So check that out in video form as well. Uh follow us on Instagram and Twitter, just like the show. We are at DC Collecticast. I mentioned before the Above and Batman Beyond podcast. Subscribe to that show on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Uh, that's where you can find my Snyder Cut review in audio form. Uh video, of course, is on the YouTube channel. Did, a, again, two-part review. The first one was almost two hours, and then the second one, I did, like, a walkthrough notes. So I'm like, you know what? I got to finish the walkthrough, so I might as well go on for another hour and a half talking about this movie. <laughs> but it's just so long and amazing, so I, I just couldn't couldn't help myself. Uh, finally, if you haven't heard our newest show to the network yet, please consider subscribing to the DC Animated Movie Show, a YouTube series and podcast for the prestigious ongoing catalog of DC Animated Movies, So it started as a video series on our above and Batman Beyond YouTube channel, and now we're 11 episodes in on the podcast. Uh, We do news, reviews, commentary tracks, and interviews soon to come. Got some Justice Society World War II coverage to come with that movie coming out this month. Uh, So check out that show as well if you're a fan of DC animated movies. One last thing. Today will be an R-rated episode. Credit to Scott for this line. Today will be an R-rated episode (laughs) of DC Collecticast. It's marked explicit. Since the movie is R-rated, so parental discretion is advised. And thank you to Google for filling in that sentence. All right, guys, so let's get to it. Finally, Ben can shut up with his intro and shut up about the Snyder Cut and let someone else talk about it. Scott, let's do that.
0: Awesome. Yeah. i <laughs> like, like awesome, to get into ben. it. Shut up. Like, well, There's a lot to get into, isn't there, about this um, this movie? Well, it's more like a sort of, I don't know, it's like a three movies collapse together, isn't it? It's so... Um incredible
1: well that's it that I'm so glad you started with that because like I'm gonna just be referencing my review here I couldn't help but uh, at least bring back some of the bullet points because I do it you know I want to have a part today it is a few weeks out um but of course we gotta start somewhere up front with you know what we thought and I'm so glad you, you started with that because if you just watch this thing for what it is which is this really unique DC like I think it's a masterpiece, four-hour epic on HBO Max. Kind of wouldn't have happened because of COVID. Wouldn't happen without a streaming service. Couldn't have worked theatrically. Really works as a miniseries. Plays like crazy though, and like that was what blew me away. Uh, yeah. And we're gonna get into that. Is like I couldn't believe I watched it in two sittings. But the first three hours of this movie flew.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, they absolutely do. And it, you know, the whole build-up to the the main event is fantastic as well. You know, sometimes I've seen it said, but I think a lot of criticism uh, from some movies is that it takes so long to build up to uh, a moment. But that, that's exactly why this movie is good, because it does take time to build up, whereas obviously the original cut didn't. You know, you were an hour in and you were already fighting Steppenwolf with Superman back, and it's not really... It didn't really work, um, but this definitely is a better way of doing it. There's so much to pack into the story, and, um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. The way that Zach has laid it out in the seven parts that he did, it was really, really very, very clever.
1: Oh, such a great project. I love it. Um, so, again, we'll do our initial kind of review of the Snyder Cut. After that, we'll look at, like, the aftermath, we'll call it. Uh, aftermath yeah, aftermath in a good way, you know, like a look back weeks later, we'll call it. Yeah. Uh, I do want to get into the restore the Snyderverse slash future of the Snyderverse because hopefully, um, after this, I can't believe I'm saying this. I want more Snyderverse.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I never thought you'd say that after I I a few years. ago I remember a few years ago, um,
1: dude. I talk- can't wait to talk about that too.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, we we talked on podcast didn't we, a few years ago about this? And yeah, I never thought we'd uh, hear that from you. No,
1: and I never thought I'd publish myself saying it. <laughs> Uh, then I thought we could go character by character just so we there because again, there's just so much that I don't want to forget. Yeah. Um, and then we'll close it up. But yeah, let's start off with our history, Scott. And yes. I'm so glad you brought that up with so expand on what you were just saying and why it's so funny that we're here uh, that, that we are where we are. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, it, it's crazy, isn't it? So about, I think it was like sort of three years, maybe? Three years two or three, now, year, yeah. two, two, three years, yeah, when we were we were talking about it on um, on this very podcast, DC Collector Custom. And, uh, yeah, well, we were debating BVS and, you know, what we liked, dislikes, you know, I liked more of it than dislikes. <laughs> and you were vice versa, to, to put it um, frank. But, yeah, and mean, you know, the, the whole BVS was just a... Um, a piece of the jigsaw that Zack had sort of put together. And you can see that now that the cuts come out, you know, it was very much the middle ground between a, a hopeful Superman coming in with some real issues. And then, you know, he, he fights, Batman has all these problems and he finally comes back as a, a hero again. So, you know, it's a really, very much it's a pivotal part of the story, whether you like the, the movie individually or not is, you know, obviously down to, opinion, but when you see it as a story and the crossover, you know that they do between the stories, it's very crucial, and um, you can see the importance of BVS more now, having experienced the Schneider cut than you probably could before that. And you know, I'd like to think more people are going to appreciate BVS after seeing, you know, Zach's full vision of, you know, how he saw Superman and Batman developing um, and bringing the lead together as well. You
1: no, know, I said the exact same thing in my review of like. I there's still things that maybe I won't let go of BVS because I do look at it as like you gotta tell it as its own singular story. But it's so different,
0: isn't it? it's just completely different BVS.
1: It's completely different. But then again, it's like, do you have to? Because then what, what you're doing in that with that criticism is you're you're putting Zack Snyder into a mold that he's not going to fit, which is a feature length movie. And like I said in my review, this is the best Snyder I've ever gotten. In my opinion, this is way better than BVS and Man of Steel because he's not confined to the feature length uh tradition. Like, Yeah, he, I'd agree with
0: that, actually. Yeah, it's a good
1: point. Right? Like, you don't have to... And he gets, obviously, Final Cut. I mean, this is his cut. And that's what's so fascinating about this thing. He got, like, all the freedom of TV with a bunch of footage and initial budget of a feature and then made like the friggin' Lawrence of Arabia of DC movies.
0: It's actually a really good point that, because I think the, the sort of age of, you know, going to a cinema with a strict running time that you have to stick to. I think that age is probably dying. And this is maybe a, a sign of it because, you know, like BVS that, for example, when you'd look at the cinematic cut. It was two hours 20 and it wasn't, there was crucial parts of the story. Well, maybe not crucial in the grand scheme of things, but there's crucial parts of it that make the story have more depth and give it that more meaning. When you look at the extended cut, you can kind of see that um, a lot more. So there's definitely, it's definitely a good point that, you know, the feature length thing is is much less Zack Schneider than than other people like Christopher Nolan, for example.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, like I, what's crazy is that, and I haven't done it yet, but I know that if I watch Man of Steel and then BVS to just watch the three as a trilogy, because that's what this is. It's it's amazingly yeah. uh, like, and this is where I couldn't believe I've always knocked the guy for not being a good storyteller. Zack Snyder is an amazing storyteller yeah. with this movie. Like this is proof that he's an amazing storyteller, but I had never, it's, it's, but it's weird. It's like almost having a student that just never had the potential because they just didn't have like we didn't have the resources at the schools <laughs> you know what i mean like it's, yeah, it's just yeah. this weird um kind of like now that he can showcase his talents this way this is by far the best that that he's ever done and then you can watch Man of Steel and BVS and look like even i like Man of Steel way better than BVS so if you watch the whole thing as as the again like one mini series or one yeah. at that point it would be a series um or like a two season series but you're you're talking about like a 10 hour movie where maybe yeah. even my least favorite part like there might be some boring batman superman stuff but like there's still good batman action in there and the point is if you just watch it as a mini series you maybe have like for me personally two boring episodes of one gigantic amazing high budget dc epic
0: yeah yeah, well, that's it. Because like, you, when you do watch them all back to back, and I, I haven't done it as in all of them at once, but I've watched mm. them back to back as in day by day, and they how they're is that brilliant? And really good, yeah. So I watched like Man of Steel a few days before, and then Batman v Superman the day before, and then Zack Snyder's Justice League on the day, and and it's so good. Like the way that they, well, Zack's got an amazing ability to cross over the movies, and there's that famous. Um, YouTube video of this sort of crossover between BVS and Man of Steel, like edited in timeline. And it's just absolutely amazing when mm. um, you watch that as one thing. And I'm sure someone will do the same thing for the BVS um, start. Um, sorry, BVS end and the Justice League start. I'm so, I'm sure someone will do that eventually. And yeah, it, it's incredible how he does that and it just seamlessly moves into the next story. And also the way that he fits the plot ending of one story to begin the chapter of a new one. I think that's really clever how he does it. it's not just cross it over just so it is one story, it also is a plot you know developing for the next chapter in his his series uh, as it were.
1: yeah the you know I mean again like even moments I admit throughout BVS are fantastic and you mentioned how he crosses over the movies. I mean yeah with Metropolis getting i-beamed and 9-11 and bruce wayne running into the rubble of wayne towers dropping
0: like you don't get better batman than that dude it's amazing isn't it i'm glad you said 9-11 because i always it always feels like that to me when i watch it you know that that um visual of the ship flying into the the um the world engine like it's just an incredible visual and it is very um it is very 9/11, you know, isn't it? Yeah, but that's what I really like about Zach. So, and this is the thing I've always said about—I um, hate to bring them into it, but I'm going to bring Marvel into it. As always. <gasps> How dare you? I always kind of—I know it's terrible, but yeah. So the the reason I like Zach and his movies is because um, there's always consequences to actions. Sometimes I feel like mm-hmm. with Marvel movies, it's a little bit more jokey, and you know, oh, we can have a laugh. Everyone's safe the world's fine but with zach's movies there's always serious consequences like the amount of people that died in the metropolis incident you know you got bruce wayne's um uh, boss of wayne industries in in metropolis who ends up getting killed from it it's a very human story about superheroes and that's what i've always really liked zach for and that's why i really like the schneider verse so much um you know, every action has really bad or good consequences and, you know, the characters have to sort of fight those feelings and it's very sort of um almost real life superhero stories if they did exist. So that's why I've always enjoyed it. And, you know, that Metropolis incident is a perfect example. And I think it's very realistic in mm-hmm. terms of if aliens existed, this is how we would react as the human race. You know, things like this would happen. It'd be very divisive and you know That's very much what happens to Superman. You know, he's a very divisive character mm-hmm. until Justice League and um, or the end of BVS and Justice League, I should say.
1: Right, and it's also early Superman. So whatever problems you have with it, <clears throat> that's why ultimately I never had a huge problem with Man of Steel in the way that I had problems with BVS because I was like, all right, well, you know, if he goes out of character as we know him for in this movie it's an origin so he's either going to grow out of it or yeah. they're gonna like it's it's early superman it's an origin story uh with yeah. bvs i just thought that until justice league and one of the things like i thought was a masterstroke with this is batman does a complete character arc watching this because it's he operates even in his words operating on faith yeah and like, when do you even hear Batman say that in the most optimistic Batman stories? The guy doesn't, faith isn't in that guy's vocabulary. So I like that it was, you know, the death of Superman turns into, like, it it took so much from BVS that I didn't like. You take the death of Superman, which I felt story-wise was just crammed into the end of that. Um, but you turn that around, you open this movie with that and you're like, oh, you're going to just make it all count and show me like a... Meanwhile, this is how this affected this DCEU. Make that count. It made all the Batman killing people, like in this, you learn why he was and you learn that he's no longer acting like that. Um, And any of the killing that he's doing, and people criticize this for being like, like all you had was, uh, all you had was parademons. And all you had was, I'm like, it's a Justice League movie. Yeah, like they're not going to be running around killing like Joker villains. Like Joker, Joker henchmen. (laughs) Like they're gonna be, yeah. They're not gonna be killing a bunch of human beings. They're gonna have this different. And people are going, you know, well, you could tell that everything was all the fighting was away from cities and away from collateral damage. And it's like, well, you really can't make anybody happy. I mean, you bitch that there was all this collateral collateral damage from Man of Steel. Then BVS, yeah, they address it, and in fact, that is the impetus for the return of Batman. So we get like a Dark Knight Returns return of Batman that is tied directly into your criticism. And then in this movie, there's no fighting around any humans. And you're like, oh, there's no cost to anything. There's no stakes. I'm like, the stakes is the end of the multiverse. That's not enough. Like, that made no sense to me. The whole like, there's no humans in this. I thought they did a really good job with um, you know, And the parademons too, like those are video game villains. You know, there's a thousand of them. They you can normally make them cheap and not and and kind of just forgettable. I thought he did a great job with the parademons. I just I can't believe how good of a job he did with this movie.
0: Yeah, and and, you know, the you're actually on the money with that because they they moan if there is human damage on the moon if there isn't, so you can't really win. But the 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 point about Batman as well with um, Batman killing. I've always said this that the the BVS batman killing people is a plot point of the the movie because and you get to see that in justice league you know you get to see why he stops killing why he did kill and um some of that dialogue with joker which i'm sure we'll get to in the end kind of cements why he started to kill that you know that that kind of shows you why he started to kill people in the first place because of what happened with robin and um yeah and people lo- bitched about that
1: too i'm like how uh, do you, yeah. how are you bitching about getting a complete story sorry go ahead i just
0: yeah no they'll be absolutely right i mean you can't you, you know you can't expect something like that deeply affecting batman who has been a loner all his life he finally gets someone that he can trust and, and can um rely on and then all of a sudden that's taken away from him and you know he descends into this dark place that would happen to almost any human in existence if something terrible like that happened to them so you know it it would be very difficult for bruce to handle. and that's why he started killing people because he was like i'll oh, stuff this i'm gonna just go out and I'll just take people out and you know and see superman and the anger builds and builds and eventually when he realizes he was wrong about superman he's like shit i've completely messed this up you know it's not it isn't how it is. And, you know, the, the point about Superman as well, when he died, it's kind of like, um, you remember this, Ben, in uh, the Justice League animated series, when he, Superman dies in hereafter, you know, Batman walks up to the memorial and says, you know, you taught me that justice doesn't always have to come from the darkness um mm. and that's kind of what we see in this as well that's the exact same thing you know superman teaches bruce that he doesn't have to um he doesn't have to kill he doesn't have to always be um the divisive loner he's you know he can bring people together and do it um uh as a team
1: yeah like i didn't like in the justice league not that i liked anything in that but Like, why is Batman the guy bringing everybody together? That's just... And then you go, oh, no, that's perfect because he was a dick before and now he's... This is the best way to... Like, he's almost overcompensating um, in the best way, though. Yeah. I just... That's That's, really good storytelling.
0: That's a good point, actually, yeah, because especially that um, conversation he has with Alfred when he's like, you know, if you can't bring down the ball, don't wave the red cape at it. You know, Alfred very much... he, He can tell... Bruce is overcompensating, like you say, and that's um, very clever as well. Because it's always Alfred that brings Bruce back to the centre of whatever extreme mind uh, position he's in. He did it in BVS, well, didn't he, when he was um, mm, talking point. about, you know, um, uh, it's like everything's changed, you know, God's hill thunderbolts and innocents die and all this, you know, it's good men cruel. And, you know, he's looking at Bruce and, and judging him for it. And Bruce knows that, you know ultimately deep down alfred is right he knows that but he can't bring himself to admit it until later in the movie
1: yeah 20 years in gotham how many good guys left
0: amazing i I just love that i just love how dark that movie is you know it's so good
1: yeah i mean again now that you just look at all of this so uh, back to like my initial reaction of just the the movie itself that I was saying before, like it plays like crazy and it plays like crazy in terms of a miniseries. Um it was really only because of yeah. time that I I turned it into a two-viewing thing. I easily could have watched this thing um in one sitting as you would like a, a season of TV. Now you once again throw the whole trilogy into a mini-series if you just look at that as like one of the really dark chapters of an entire season of tv like a couple episodes are super dark um god it's yeah like affleck is his delivery throughout that is so good of of those lines specifically that we're talking about right now you know like 20 years in gotham how many and you're just he embodied batman in the suit out of the suit you know that in between of like he crushed it as bruce wayne too and i thought what he did with Bruce Wayne, right? Like when you see him at a cocktail party or at the uh, the, uh, Luthor party, like that was just absolutely, that was at Luthor's house, right? That fancy cocktail party?
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah.
1: Right? So it's like, you know, every Batman movie has a gala. I guess that was their gala. and But it was cool that he wasn't, he was playing Bruce Wayne for sure, like playing the kind of billionaire playboy, but he was playing it also much closer to his this batman which is kind of this gruff like i don't really give a shit anymore type guy so i thought that was a fascinating but really believable take and again just total embodiment of an older batman
0: yeah it was no i agree it it, it was almost kind of animated series in a way that the bruce wayne of performance in that um library of metropolis tribute thing that they did at Lex's mm. house it was it was almost a very animated series of the little smirks that he did and some of the one-liners and yeah really really good and you know when he gets caught by mercy downstairs and you know just the little improvisations that he does as bruce wayne is just so good and it's like that internal fight that you know we always uh, talk about with bruce and batman um yeah it's such a fantastic scene that and yeah really enjoyed uh, his Bruce Wayne. And, you know, everyone talks about how um, other versions of Bruce Wayne have been. I don't think that anyone has done it as good as Affleck. Um, I do like Christian Bale's, but I think Affleck's just slightly better.
1: Mm. Yeah, Christian Bale, he played it more, though, like probably the more, let's say, typical Bruce Wayne, which is almost airheaded. Like, you know, yes, the guys, yeah, you know what I'm saying, like, you know, the guy's really smart, but he plays kind of the ditzy, sheltered billionaire,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Because he was coming off American Psycho, and it was just like a perfect piece of casting, <laughs> yeah, know? definitely. It's like you just turn, you take that guy and make him not a dick and not a psychopath, and you, there's just so much there, and everyone knew him from that. Um, so like, I think what they were. And interestingly, like that movie is a little more real life, but, uh, than this universe, but this was a cool, like, again, older, bitter, gruffer, uh, Batman and I just, or Bruce Wayne. Yeah. So I, and again, I, I agree. I, I always say too, I, I love Christian Bill, but I even will go as far to say like, if Affleck was in those movies, they would have been better Batman movies. I just Yeah,
0: perhaps so. I I, th- I just don't know. think he he looks particularly like Batman. He's a good Bruce Wayne. He looks good as Bruce Wayne. Yeah, uh, good Christian Bruce Bale. But I just don't think his, bat- his Batman just doesn't look very intimidating. And I I can't get past the the, the voice. Sometimes you know he was a great <laughs> Batman, but I mean the voice that he put on. No, not for me. It was good in Batman Begins. He did a good job there. But in the, you know especially in the Dark Nights, Jesus. I mean like the the scene when he's talking to Gordon and the. Um, in the safe, in the bank, Jesus, that was difficult to listen to. Very strange. Um, I can't quite understand. Apparently, that was the reason he got the the job as Batman as well. That's what Christopher No said because he liked the boldness of it. I'm not quite so sure on that.
1: Right, but Begins he had it down. Like I, I rewatched those movies recently, and like Begins, it was good, wasn't it? Yeah. It was good. I could see why he gave him the job for Begins, but then all of a sudden in Dark Knight, yeah. they're just. I don't know if that was his choice or what, but. Um, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, no, the him and <laughs> speaking of voice, were what?
0: No, it's just funny the, how much it changes in the dark night. Yeah, dramatically, right?
1: <laughs> and so, yeah. like, and one thing I was going to say in this movie, I was really impressed, Zack Center Justice League, is that, like, when Bruce has the cowl off, but he's, like, you know, in Batman mode, talking to other heroes and shit it's he does this like gruffer batman voice but it's much like what you would hear with conroy in the cave like it's that voice for affleck and it's just it's very batman but it's not overdone and it still kind of sounds like affleck he just does such a damn good job
0: yeah he does yeah that's absolutely true and um, the scene when he's talking to the uh, to the league just before they go over to Russia, and he's talking to him by the computers, you know, and he just the, you know how many demons he's fought and and all that. The amazing line delivery, and um, yeah, no, it's only no, really around no, Alfred no, no, when we get. Guy. Yeah, so good, so good. Yeah, much better than you know. We are not enough. <laughs> much <laughs> better than that. Um, Steve Trevor, tell you that. <laughs> Jesus, awful!
1: Oh, is that from Justice League?
0: Mm, oh god. really bad.
1: I don't even. There's so much I don't remember. <laughs> Which oh, is good, I guess.
0: It's good, yeah, <laughs> definitely is good. I mean, that tells you everything about how much of a legacy that film's going to have. You can't remember lines from it. Um, oh god, awful. Um, all
1: right, so let's get into. I guess like uh. A quick overall review of the movie, is there anything else that beside what we just talked about um that you definitely want to just say like in your summation of the movie uh whatever, talk about whatever you want to talk about
0: yeah well the thing that most struck me was the the scene in the tunnel and how much better that was um an absolutely incredible scene when they go underground, uh, underneath Gotham Harbour when Cyborg joins them for the first time. So, um, I mean that scene's incredible. I kind of enjoyed that in the first film. Um, you know, they use a lot of the footage that um Zach had already shot in the weed and cut for that. But the um you know, the, the Zack Schneider version really does give that tunnel scene much more gravity because that tunnel scene is like an hour and a half into the movie, whereas in the um Theatrical cut. It was, I, th- I think it was like something like half an hour into the movie, and they're already going to face Steppenwolf for the first time, and that it was just kind of strange. I think it was even quicker than half an hour, actually. But yeah, the um, so we've already had an hour and a half's worth of Bruce bringing the lead together, and they finally culminates in them going to the tunnels and seeking out, um, yeah, the hostages that Steppenwolf's taken. and I really enjoyed that scene, you know. the. The atmosphere around it was just so good. You could tell it was in Gotham and you could tell, you know, it was a really, it was a crap hole, basically. Um, <laughs> absolutely amazing scene. And the, the fight in between Wonder Woman and Steppenwolf was great. And yeah, it just, it's just such a fantastic transformation of a villain, not only in looks, but also in the character of him. Um, and also the reasoning behind him as well, like why he's there and what he's trying to achieve, whereas we'd never really found that out no we had come, no idea the, what he yeah,
1: wanted in that first movie
0: yeah, yeah exactly and you know i mean it, it just didn't make any sense because um, we know that dark side is the ruler of apocalypse so why would steppenwolf be trying to come and conquer a planet it's not steppenwolf's role in the um, order of apocalypse to do things like that no, Darkseid no. Is the world conqueror. you know and, and dark
1: side's uh, you know, name is not even in justice
0: league It's crazy, yeah. I I don't understand why they would take lines out of of that. I mean, I don't totally blame Josh Whedon because Warner Brothers, you know, had a collar around his neck when they were trying to um, make the movie, which is just, you know, that's never going to work. I mean, this proves more than anything else how much it would never work. And credit to Zach for saying, screw you, I'm going to film what I want. Um, You know, because this is a perfect example of why studios should not interfere. You know, we, the, Warner Brothers had not learned their lessons from movies like Wonder Woman, because Patty Jenkins was told to cut out the um, the no man's land scene because it was apparently too dark. In oh Wonder Woman. my god! I mean, that's just an absolute disgrace. I mean, I with Wonder Woman eighty four. I wasn't. I'm not an enormous fan of it. It's a good movie. I'm not an enormous fan, but they just let Patty Jenkins do her stuff. And I can guarantee that movie was much better than anything Warner Brothers could have come in and interrupted with. Uh, And, you know, it's just absolute madness that they try and take these scenes out. So Steppenwolf was a significantly better villain with Zack's vision than Warner Brothers' interruptions and Whedon's comedy.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, the Steppenwolf arc was amazing in this because it was he's just this huge asshole who comes and starts invading and you're like, you know, we remember him from justice league. We know he wants to bring the mother boxes together, but we're just kind of like, what's going on here. We also know dark sides covenant yeah. stuff, but point is what's great about this and what you could see. Uh, and this is what I want to also talk about too, of like, originally originally wasn't it supposed to be a 2 parter justice league one and justice league two because i'm hearing a lot of people now talking about how there's supposed to be a justice league trilogy at some point
0: yeah so th- this was supposed to be the first movie uh, that was always uh, yeah so that was always contracted to do five movies for dc so he was going to do man of steel bvs then justice league one two three um, but what about
1: the two-parter everyone talked about for years what was that
0: I, to be honest, I think that was a load of hot air. Um, okay. At, at, at that time, Warner Brothers were changing so much and they, they were all over the place with their decision-making. Um, so Wonder Woman was the first movie that got shoehorned in because they wanted a Wonder Woman movie. You know, I think it was because they knew Black Widow was coming and they wanted a female hero movie first, I think. <laughs> Right. I think that I think ultimately that's what it was and um you know it was a great movie as it turned out anyway so which is
1: hilarious that you know everyone shits on DC movies Ooh, I uh, oh I cursed oh we're allowed to curse yeah we, everyone shits yeah. on the DC movies uh over Marvel or a lot of people do and then it's like dude we still haven't gotten until July we're still not going to have a female led Marvel movie actually that's not true we got um Captain Marvel what Two years ago oh,
0: god oh, dear.
1: still right i'm like dude that's your first
0: <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. and exactly. also you've
1: had black widow since iron man 2 in 2009 you've never given her a solo movie
0: i know so, yeah Scarlett anyway. hansen is the is the actress for it and you can't give her a lead role no What's going on?
1: who knows who she is she has you know no clout um, <laughs> she's has no skills you know she could she could never lead a movie i just that <laughs> never made it even back then like and it wasn't even to be like oh i need a female yeah. in a, i just was like i'm surprised they haven't you know and this is going like every year by year you're just still not getting a black widow movie and then wonder woman was like you know in my opinion the best they've done so far next to this i think for me yeah. now in the dceu it's uh it's wonder woman and then this Yeah,
0: Wonder Woman is spectacular. It really is. You know, Wonder Woman came in and then Suicide Squad came in and then they started to be all over the place with their movies. So, um, but yeah, this was just supposed to be the third movie in a five part um, story for Zach to tell. So, um, I'm glad he stuck with that as well. You know, when Warner Brothers were going all chaotic on what they were trying to do with different movies, he still stuck to what he was filming. Um, And yeah, he just carried on regardless. So, um, like they told him they couldn't have an R rating, they couldn't, it couldn't be over two hours. Um and he just kind of carried on filming what he was filming because there's a lot of F-bombs that are dropped in the movie that aren't even from the reshoot scenes that he did um mm. recently. So you can tell that he just sort of said, No, screw that, I'm just gonna do what I do. And all credit to him for that. More people should be like that. Um and Patty Jenkins, um, Christopher Nolan and Zack Schneider are big inspirations on that front because all of them have had pushbacks from Warner Brothers and all of them have had success from ignoring it. (laughs) it, it, You know, you get to the point where you are like Warner Brothers, in any other company, you would not get away with being so bad for so long, but somehow Warner Brothers seem to, you know, get by with it. I don't get it.
1: Well, here's the thing I think also is that (laughs) there was this awkward time where, you know, they were giving it's kind of gone full circle right so if you look at dark knight you see a filmmaker with yeah. almost complete freedom i mean i wouldn't be surprised if nolan actually has final cut on those movies um yeah so like i mean that's how much control he had on a james cameronian level but as i said in my review of justice league of this justice league's uh snyder cut this is the closest thing that James Cameron I have ever seen because this thing is, you know, no pun intended, Titanic sized, and yeah. it's also doesn't care about running time, doesn't care about you know the R rating, doesn't care, doesn't care, doesn't care, doesn't care. Um, you know, I'm gonna take special like this is James Cameron back then. It's like I'm gonna take special effects that don't exist in 1996, yeah. 97. And then also it's going to be a a three-and-a-half-hour love epic uh, introducing, not introducing, but at that point, who is to be, you know, uh, DiCaprio, that type of thing of like, wait, why are you, what? Why not make it just action or why not, why not? And none of these filmmakers, as you said, just give them freedom. Yeah. Um, But that's hard because what's crazy about James Cameron is that he gets all the money in the world, but then gets to do whatever he wants which is essentially under the conditions of the Snyder cut. What's gone full circle back to Nolan with this is that like you have given this guy a ton of freedom and you've gone like, you know what? It didn't work out when we tried micromanaging them and being something we are not, which is a, they've said this for years and they tried to act like they were, they always said it in the press conferences, but they are a, you know, filmmaker driven studio filmmaker first studio. Yeah uh whereas marvel is you know oh why can't dc do what marvel's doing well they never well i guess at some point they did but like at first they were never trying to so that no. that criticism was completely artificial at first it's like you know until bvs yeah. they weren't trying to do what marvel's doing like marvel's doing one continuous story that is controlled by one person and overseen by you know, the most rich mouse with pants on the planet. Like that's different from saying, Yeah, you're five different filmmakers, do do the multiverse essentially.
0: Well Marvel's just doing Marvel isn't doing anything special. It's just doing what Marvel's good at doing. And DC should just do what DC's good at doing. Not right. sort of think, oh they're doing well there. What well, let's 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 do what we um so let's do what um they're doing but with our characters like no you you completely missing the point they're just doing what is best for their characters and you're completely missing that like imagine thinking as warner brothers that you have to have a two-hour movie that it cannot be r-rated because we need to pack as many people in the cinemas and as many people to watch it as possible that's it's just ridiculous it's, it's just such silly insane. like
1: old-timey hollywood yeah it's nonsense. very
0: arrogant to think that people are going to come in and watch it because it's two hours and we could screen it more you know the Irony is no one really turned up to watch it so um yeah it's just it's just incredibly arrogant and you know movies like Endgame proves that people will happily stick around for 3 hour more movies um yeah if it's good you know just just make something good not something that is going to be a tick box exercise for Warner brothers
1: yeah so let's get deeper into this do you think now that This is the proof in the pudding. I think, again, there were other conditions, COVID. uh, You obviously have more streaming services than ever. In this case, now DC has their own streaming service. Um, With HBO Max, do you see that? And What's also fascinating is that both companies, like you said, Marvel's doing what they're good at. DC's doing what they're good at. It's almost like Disney's kind of reflecting what, Marvel was good at in the comics and yeah. DC is now finally going like, let's stop trying to play catch up or try to be like the guys across the street. Cause we're also, even in terms of the comics, we're not like, this Snyder cut is so damn DC in so many ways you have, it's, it's epic. It's uh, about the gods. It's full of these like super splash pages of just iconic you know, D.C. gods. And that is, to me, so damn D.C., right? So do you think that, like, now that we have the ultimate proof, um, we're just going to stop seeing that level of, like, old-timey, stupid, pack them into the theaters, uh, even with COVID aside. I I, I don't, which I guess you can't ever, like, try to move that from the equation, but, like, let's say COVID, let's say that the Snyder Cut hit HBO Max, and it wasn't because of COVID that it, it, it happened. Do you think yeah. that finally DC would just, and Warner Brothers is just going like, you know what? The future is total, total
0: filmmaking freedom from here on in. Um, <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, I actually think the fact that it's only come out on streaming services has actually almost held the Schneider Cup back in a way. I think if it was released in cinemas it would be even more successful. Mm. I think I think it would people would go nuts to go and see it. Um and you know the fact that there's been so much demand for this movie that um a streaming service like HBO Max had to release or sell it worldwide to other places on the day of release that is almost unheard of that never happens when a streaming service has got exclusive rights to something and they go and sell it to other people immediately so it can be released on that actual day uh, even Wonder Woman 84 didn't have that it, it's just absolutely crazy that, that that even happened
1: yeah it's historic uh, and, all,
0: yeah. and all credit to HBO for doing that as well because it would have been very easy to say no it's our exclusive thing and you know they recognized that this was not just um uh, something that americans would want to see it's something that everyone would want to experience and not have you know spoils potentially so um but, but how yeah. about this so
1: plug covid back into the equation right yeah so like let's covid's here it happened this and that uh yeah you can't take the genie out of the bottle or whatever whatever you call it what do you yeah. think now they can't play that theater bullshit anymore Because they're not getting, people aren't even going. And I there's so much, I think, that they're even saying like people who work in Hollywood, for example, or people, any type of business where it's like, we used to have to get up in the morning and go to an office and meet in person. Not to say that was a bad thing, but like after, even when everybody's vaccinated and everyone's healthy, are so much is going to change in terms of like remote meetings and shit like that. Like, if you're not going to get people back in the theater, do you think that, do you think that HBO Max and the other streaming services are going to start going like, you know what? Like it's less risk, but we can put almost the same money into these things. Definitely, um, And yeah. let's give these guys more freedom.
0: hundred percent because it, it, it's almost, um, just with all the movement behind it now, it, it's a no brainer to do that. And I mean, these days we live in like an on-demand world where we've got like Netflix and Amazon prime and, you know, a uh, Disney plus where everyone could just if you want to watch something you can watch it right that second um and yeah. you don't have to worry about you know waiting to oh, I need to pick a day when I'm off to go to the cinema or oh, I'm not got quite much, enough time tonight to go and see it or are the screenings cancelled or something like that or you know you don't have to worry about things like that so um. I think they're very much sort of especially this year and,
1: too because now it's day and date now it's literally yeah. like it's not just on the streaming service in a month or two it's that night.
0: Exactly yeah and HBO Max will make an absolute ton of money out of it as well selling it off to other places um, so it was on Now TV in the UK uh, with Sky and I know Sky have a deal with um, HBO with stuff like Game of Thrones so they you know they can just expand on that partnership and you know tens of millions of dollars later they make a ton of money out of it you know and oh, you know i just, never
1: thought of how much money they could make off that yeah
0: yeah literally like they, everyone was going berserk saying oh my god how can you give zack Snyder 70 million dollars for a movie that's already done well hbo will have just made that back and selling it to other people around the world to stream it that's without even anyone watching it i feel know, so thing.
1: stupid i never considered that right now hbo can just be the dc production company
0: essentially yeah i hope that that happens they they, they've got so much demand for their their stuff like they've got i mean i've thought of that before but i never thought
1: like i thought of dc like you know b or hbo doing that i just never thought like i've always said dc hbo dc hbo but i just never thought of how much money yeah like that could finance it is what i'm saying
0: yeah like (laughs) i I wouldn't be surprised if they like i say i bet they broke even just on the fact that they've um, sold it to other companies and then they're they're laughing so even if it's not a success i don't think hbo is going to care because they've made their money back at the end of the day that's you know ultimately it's a business and that's all that's all that will really matter to them
1: but are we gonna get like right are we gonna get giant budgets like this though like post covid for stuff that's going straight to like you know Zack Snyder got the budget got a theatrical budget to make something that ended up being on streaming are we going to see things that are straight to streaming that are getting i mean i guess we're getting already getting you know falcon and the winter soldier i mean that yeah. i think that season was 200 million dollars
0: yeah well um titans um is a decent example that was on dc universe that was a very small series on a limited budget and then when hbo max took over it they I, I, I don't know how true this is. So don't quote me, but I, I, I'm almost sure they doubled the budget for the show, and which is why we're seeing all these amazing costumes come out of the God. um out of the series now. So just a little sort of window into the HBO Max house. I think you can really um see how much money they could pump into it, and yeah, they'll make a crap ton of money out of that because Titans will come out on netflix undoubtedly in the uk or maybe on now tv and that's more money that they can uh, make off that so you know they're making money in-house directly from us streaming subscriptions um, yeah yeah and subscriptions absolutely and then they'll they'll make more money from selling it to people across the um the uk and that's even before you've done stuff like blu-ray release and all the merch and all that stuff so that they, they'll make a ton of money out of this hbo and i think they could definitely get um, a sort of cinematic budget for it i mean we see it with other places like apple tv and you mean like a cinematic budget
1: for a bunch of dc series
0: yeah yeah absolutely like the the green lantern series is supposed to be like a cinematic-esque budget for the vfx they've got to do with it so i don't see why they, they couldn't do that
1: well i think yeah that's what it is it's like you're at this point now where it's we've seen what the cw has let's say tried to do yeah it's been going for way longer than i ever would have thought people's interest would have held up for those cw yeah. shows i mean you're still not a fan right of those shows
0: no I, no i can't really get into it I, I, no it doesn't really connect with me that well um even the superman and lois one that looked decent i, I can't bring myself to watch it i, I don't know mm. why it's just one of those things i guess
1: that personally i think that's like a huge exception I, I don't even lump that in i know it's made by cw and stuff and i understand It just looks like, so different
0: doesn't it, it oh it's completely. so different um even I mean, like that looks pers- quite cinematic
1: yeah yeah and i can't believe the cw produced it like that's my thing of going like look i'll have faith if you show me something that's good um true But even like you could tell even performances, I'm not saying actors on those other shows are bad, but you could just tell they have like 10 minutes to shoot every scene. Um, And I think, you know, it's, it's good, but they're probably spending most of their money on the time to set up shots and then like two minutes for performance and getting really good performance. I think for the time that they have, I just don't think that, uh, and again, the VFX, because here's the thing, it's superhero content, as you said, you're doing green lantern you better show us green lantern if you're gonna say it's green lantern yeah um it's hard stuff to make good because it's you know uh high budget but what's fascinating now once again is that we're it's almost the second at this point golden age of television and now it's like what i guess i never thought of this but it's a new age of heroes scott
0: it it is, isn't it? No, it absolutely isn't. And stuff like a Green Lantern show is is gonna have to be more than three quarters VFX. So they've got to have good money behind it to do it. And it's here's like- also
1: proof in the pudding too. Like I I'm telling you, the Snyder cut is proof that with the freedom and with the uh with the with the low risk of, of streaming, like you're gonna get it's gonna be more like comic books than ever. Because you're not trying to put a square peg in a round hole of going like, it has to be a comic book movie. And I've always had those criticisms too, because I was always movies first, like before I ever got into comics. And even though I always loved Batman, it was always like, they made, I got in through Batman, the animated series. But they were going like, let's make really good short films. Let's make really good TV episode that happened to be about Batman. So they always had that down, this and that problem is you're trying to take big time Hollywood, once again, big time budgets, and put around you know, again, peg in a square hole of comic books. I think now with streaming, it's going to be because it's serialized storytelling. I, I'm so excited yeah. for what is to come, and I really think for the first first time um, because I think the Nolan movies were cool. You know, we talked about them before. I do love them. Uh I was obsessed with them for years. I, they still hold up in a lot of ways, but that's very much like a, a Christopher Nolan, like an independent filmmaker going like, what if all this shit was actually real? Whereas Zack Snyder could care less whether any of it looks real. Like, again, you you were saying before he applies real life situations and it does have a Nolan-esque thing to it. But I guess what I'm saying special effects wise, um, Zack Snyder is not afraid to to create things that are, you know, don't exist he's not he's not afraid to create a, f- a fully cg steppenwolf that somehow yeah. looks great
0: that's absolutely true you know because no one not only tries to make his stories realistic he tries to keep the story realistic whereas you can't do that because it's a it's, it, it hasn't happened and you know it's not it's not realistic that a guy in a batman suit is going to go around beating people up but what is realistic is the human emotion and the stories that Zack Snyder and Nolan did put into that movie, so the, the situational decisions and the moral decisions that the characters find themselves in, that is um, a realistic sort of balance that people do go through, whereas you don't, you know, Zack has the ability to put a comic book page into a um, uh, into a movie and that works perfectly well for his style because you end up with a great story and a great looking story as well, whereas no one isn't so good at making things look great. Um, don't get me wrong. He's very good, but he's not quite as good as Zach. I don't think at, at making it look great.
1: Yeah. He's not nearly as concerned with the comics.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no one's very much more about the story than the look of the story. Whereas Zach, I think is slightly tilting in the other way around.
1: Yeah. Like no one's interested in, you know, uh, and if he is interested in the comics, it's more like the gritty, year one slash um long, long halloween. halloween as well yeah yeah like gangster street batman you know whereas yeah. this is like epic the gods uh you're talking wonder woman superman i mean he, he even made a whole like decree didn't he and saying like we're never gonna get a superman in this universe
0: mm. yeah yeah
1: so um yeah it was just a totally different project but i i also think yeah Zack Snyder is just way better and that's also his style of of giving us the
0: gods. Yeah, I I so hope we, um, you know, HBO do, just coming back to what you originally asked, I hope they do continue with this and, you know, HBO do see the success of this and sort of ignore the Warner Brothers side of of things because I just feel like the the whole Hollywood um, elite, as it were, they're so out of touch with what the fans want and this is proof of it, really. Uh, you know, with, they're they're too busy messing around with a Superman reboot needlessly, and then stuff like this, you know, goes completely unheard by the fans for so long, and then eventually HBO Max gets it sorted out for for the fans, and Warner Brothers are still messing around doing silly movies about Amazons and you know the, the, the tre- a trench movie as well. Like, I don't think anybody really wants to see that. Um, no. It's not really what it's not really what was asked for. I mean, the Amazon movie might be quite good, but, you know, I just don't really see where that's um, fitting into about their that. idea. Yeah, Well, eg- exactly. I mean, that's it. People just do forget <laughs> about it. Exactly. Um, but I, it was also very noticeable as well. And Maybe this is me being a bit cynical, but on the eve of the Schneider Cut coming out, they decide to announce a Superman reboot. And I did see someone write about this. God, there was a little right. bit, a bit of an insider who was writing about how you know in the eve of sort of every announcement that zach has tried to do warner brothers have been very sort of persistent on undermining it um and i don't think it was much of a coincidence that um the superman reboot was announced after um the Zack Schneider justice league that was coming out so yeah very strange
1: it's here's the problem right with the studios is that they are the patrons of the arts mm. and as we keep saying vfx comic book content you need billions with a b to like really make a franchise happen um i think i can't wait now to see the patrons being historically hbo just goes like go for it they stay out of your way so like i just to try to turn it positive and not just shit all over warner brothers but it's sad that warner brothers still plays Uh, because I guess they have to though. And, and again, it's like, uh, they are the people, they are the money people that own the property that have the toys that you need to play with to make this stuff happen. And it's really hard to make these movies happen. Um, but again, you're also doing things like we talked about in the very beginning with why should Zack Snyder have to have like a traditional three act structure in order to tell a batman story in in some big ass popcorn movie with why does it have to fit all your four
0: marketing you know it's like you're too right too right and you know what um ray fisher summed this up really well you know these are his words not mine although actually they are my words as well because i do agree with him but so warner brothers said um you know they wanted to make a black superman movie but then this is the same studio that cast aside Ray Fisher's um, Cyborg, and they didn't want a John Stewart in a movie, so they want to be diverse, but they want to do it on a popular term. Uh, And I think that's absolutely true. They're so out of touch with what fans would like to see. Fans would, I think, fans would love to see a Cyborg solo movie. And we've seen that with the reaction to the fact that he's left. So many people, you know, the hashtag I stand with Ray Fisher is huge. It's massive, Mm. and you know, because people want to see that, but Warner Brothers just want to take a popular name like Superman and turn it into um, something completely off topic and not really relevant as to what fans can relate to or want to see. It's, it's very strange and they're just so out of touch with what people want to see. Which is
1: weird because it's like, how do you not know what your fans want to see when your fans are the most vocal people on earth? They happen to be comic book fans. Exactly. Like they are the fans that don't shut up. These aren't people who you're trying to get to show up to like, jumanji 2 with the rock these are people who have been worshiping these stories since they were a child yeah like what yeah. you couldn't you couldn't get 10 comic fans to, to in a room to tell you what you, they want out of your movies like you could get how many of us want the opportunity to tell warner brothers what they want i just don't get like who they're asking for these
0: projects yeah yeah, absolutely right they spend you know too much time worrying about the the politics and the virtue signaling of some movies and they should just make some good movies. Like you know, Zach's made a great movie. It's a great say, story. It's diverse. It's brilliant because it's just natural. It happened. It's what he wanted to do.
1: Yeah, a- animated series used to do that too. There was like-
0: uh, know- Absolutely spot on, spot on. The Justice right? League animated series is the best example of that you can ever wish to see, especially Unlimited.
1: And even earlier on, like a decade before that, you're talking early '90s and and Batman the Animated Series. You have an Hispanic female cop that you created for that show.
0: So true, yeah, that's that incredibly true. And um, yeah, I, you know, bringing Hulk Girl into Justice League and having John Stewart there rather than Hal Jordan, and you know, it was criticised at the time, but they did it because they they knew that they could tell better stories with John Stewart, and they and they sure as hell did. You know, um, they did a fantastic job with it.
1: Yeah, they make it so much worse when they have to be like, and that's they, there was a ton of that crap going on in, um, what is it? The Last Jedi. I know you're not much of a Star Wars guy, but have you seen Last Jedi?
0: I haven't, but I've heard a lot about this. Um,
1: Oh, dude. It was like it couldn't make up its mind about specifically with like this dynamic between this new admiral that they introduced, played by Laura Dern, who's a great actress, but she was. She was hard to peg down, too, because it's like she would do a great job as Laura Dern. And she would have some great charismatic points and like cool yeah. shit to say. And she was tough as a soldier. But it was like when she would interact with Poe Dameron, um, the Oscar Isaac character. And they even in the writing, they couldn't even make up their mind which message from like you could tell they were just they had like this board of politically correct things that they wanted to express and they just couldn't <laughs> pick which one and didn't even realize in their own writing that they were contradicting each other left and right. Because like one moment they'd be like, okay, fly boy, you're too impulsive, this and that. Ha, ha, ha. And then <laughs> princess Leia walks in and then stun guns, the guy, you know, knocks him <laughs> out and goes, I really like this kid. And it's yeah. like, well, do you like him for being rebellious or is he an impulsive fly boy? And by saying fly boy, like Flip that. If you said fly girl or some kind of thing of like because you're female you're impulsive. How yeah. how well would that go over? Yeah. I mean so much of it is just like dude I like diversity. That is great. Like all this stuff is good but just don't stop trying to cram it down our throats and literally create yeah. characters that like are that you, I don't know you're contradicting your own public service announcements and stop trying to make public service announcements. Just make a movie that has good morals that you know, are or sorry, like good uh themes which are morals that literally the, the definition of a theme, yeah, is moral. So just yeah. stop trying to make shit up.
0: No, you're absolutely spot on. And birds of prey suffer from exactly the same problem. Um, so and a good example is a character you mentioned Montoya. So Montoya in the animated series was all about the, um, the little guy or the little girl punching above her weight and getting these amazing, um sort of criminal captures and we saw that in uh pv in the animated series episode mm, yep but then but then in in birds of prey for some reason they made her this terrible cop who was getting beaten down by men constantly and like that's not that's not what it's supposed to be montoya is supposed to be the one that can power through all that and be the example to people that's what she's supposed to be
1: yeah she was like but all in your face and abrasive
0: and yeah exactly and you know they they made it too sort of um i don't know just, they just this completely ruined the tone of that but um you know I yeah that movie it,
1: was another classic example of wb dumpster fire
0: just box ticking uh, that's what it was <laughs> and it, 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 it was you know which was a shame because it could have been a great it could have been a great movie i'm still angry that they killed off black mask still makes me very angry
1: there's so much <laughs> about that movie that is just like why 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 throughout um but, but i, I was, do think it's yeah. what's that
0: no i it just some i still can't get over the white mask being killed he was great in that movie uh,
1: yeah and there were so many moments throughout that where you're just like why 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 um <laughs> and i'm just hoping that like <laughs> i'm really hoping that all of these shitty examples that we're talking about with over uh, over micromanaging whatever you want to call it um, over involvement from studios micromanagement as like this time long past of old timey Hollywood intervention because it, it's it, at this point you're going on I mean if you start with when did it really start to get bad I guess um, it would have been uh, you said it before Suicide Squad was when they really started to just jump in there and go like I mean, you didn't say that exact thing before, but you mentioned Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, like I, And that is, from what I heard, WB completely jumped in there. So that was 2016. We know what happened (laughs) with, what's it called, Um, with the Justice League. Then you just have movie after movie of um, interference and then all these projects that were supposed to happen and then trying to play catch up with Marvel. So if you really try to timeline it, I mean, we don't have to completely recap what we were just talking about for an hour, but it's like you go from... 2016 at this point to uh 2020 or i guess 2021 like you have six years of i guess the snyder cuts the first example of like let's just get out of their way yeah (laughs) and i'm hoping 2021 marks just a new (laughs) beginning of this content not fitting again a square peg into a round hole
0: yeah, I mean, I I feel so awful for David Ayer because his you know that movie's got his name attached to it, and virtually none of it is what he wanted it to be. Um, yeah, you know, and I don't care who you are, that that is going to hurt you when you got your name attached to it like that. Like Zack Snyder still is credited as the director for the Justice League, and you know Josh Whedon is like a producer or something on there, which is just ridiculous. You know, they couldn't, you know, Josh Whedon didn't even have the balls to put his name as the director on it, which is um, you know, tells you everything that you need to know about what he thought of the movie, um, having made it himself. But, I, I mean, so we look back at, it's like, Spider-Man 3, um, you know, that was heavily interrupted by uh, the studio at the time. And I think Marvel learned their lesson from that because they don't appear to do it anymore. I mean, I'm not a massive Marvel fan in any way, so I wouldn't know right. uh, for, for facts, but that seems to be what they do. You know, they let the directors go off and do their own thing and then they have sort of like the, the Russo brothers were very much the sort of central uh, driving force of that project. And then you've got other directors branching out with that. And that's what DC tried to sort of do with Zack Schneider, have him as the, the the main guy in it. And then you've got people like Patty Jenkins, David Hare. Um, I forget the name of the uh, uh, James Wan for, for Aquaman. You know, they have sort of other directors branching off of that, telling individual stories of the character. You know, which may have worked, but you can't. You can't try and um, interrupt in that process when you want something so big to work. You can't have a studio micromanaging every minute, every minute and second of it because it just won't work. And the stories will just get crushed, like the Suicide Squad did. Um, so I think it's made people reassess a, a lot about what they think of um, directors interrupting. Uh, so directors being interrupted, like with Jared Leto's Joker as well. He's heavily criticized but i think now people can sort of see well i can understand why um i thought that was so bad because maybe it isn't jared leto's fault maybe there is interruptions from the studio maybe there is uh you know micromanaging going on where to a point where the character story doesn't even make any sense like some of the scenes in suicide squad just don't make any sense because no, of things that are taken out Right. So yeah. Do you have Josh's actually?
1: League. Let's talk about that. I mean, do you have time to talk a little bit about the epilogue and uh and Joker? Uh, yeah,
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Okay.
1: I just want to make sure. So, yeah. Let's get into the the Jared Leto Joker stuff. So you just said a bunch of of very important things for people to keep in mind about Jared Leto as an actor, about Jared Leto Joker as its own thing, and then yeah. you have the Suicide Squad that we saw, which essentially you said it. it's not Dave, david ayers movie even though his name is on it um yeah i mean i heard stuff even recently that i was appalled by that i didn't know before about like how little control he had over that movie by one point and it had to do with um i heard it was about the um what's it called the trailer like remember how good that trailer was with the bohemian rhapsody <laughs>
0: it's funny you know i can remember watching that trailer and i watched the justice league trailer a few months ago i went back on the instagram page right at the beginning and looked at the trailers and it's frightening how much isn't in there in the ending cut and that's just from a trailer yeah it's crazy
1: you had that trailer and then everyone loved that trailer so much that this is what warner brothers decides to do they go well let's get the guys who edited that trailer that everyone loves so much on YouTube and have them re, essentially recut David Ayer's movie.
0: Yeah. It, and it, then came into the ridiculous. editing room
1: and sat there and basically were telling a director, like, this is how you need to re-edit your movie.
0: <laughs> yeah. If, I, I mean, can you imagine that? Can you imagine that in like, the job you've been doing for so many years and you <sighs> accomplished that, you've worked hard to get there, and then you get some... Idiots that you can edit a YouTube video together come in and tell you, "Oh no, no, we don't think this is, this is right. You've got to do this instead." Like, I mean, that's just insulting.
1: Like, I am, I'm not saying I, I used to use like I know how to use Adobe uh, Premiere. I, I'm pretty familiar with like the the higher end of the editing stuff, but I could cut. I mean, if I have footage and music, I could probably do a lot of what you see in trailers with iMovie (laughs) yeah and i'm not saying like those guys didn't have talent they had immense talent as i said that trailer first thing i said that trailer was incredible it got all those views for a reason you know what you're doing but people who make trailers that's a marketing company
0: yeah that's not a
1: film director
0: (laughs) yeah and let's not forget the popularity of that video comes from the directors actually filming the movie as well. So you, know, yeah. you may be able to edit it together, put some music on there. But ultimately, it's the director's filming that is, is being shown to people.
1: He had to set up every one of those shots. He had to, you know, light it. All that shit, dude. Like, come yeah. on. I, um, all right. So. But again, we wanted to talk about Joker to bring it into, but that is good to just set up how little control, you know, kind of the the filmmakers had over, or, and and I guess that also illuminates the Joker stuff because if they mess with the movie that if these trailer people <laughs> mess with the movie uh, as much as they did, like the best of Jared Leto Joker was probably cut out by them, not just uh, the studio. So that's fascinating. Yeah. Like I mean, David ultimately, Ayer, it's the studio, but I, I didn't yeah. like just put that together that the Joker specifically, the impact of that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the you know, people always complained about Leto's Joker not looking very uh, like a Joker character. Um, they forget that that was the actual point that David Ayer did it. But yeah, anyway, the, um, some of the scenes that was cut from that. So there's like a picture of Joker where his face is half charred. And that is a perfect, I think it's from the death of the family. It's a perfect recreation of a scene in that where he's got his face half charred and, you know, people don't really um, connect with that. You know, And let's not forget Christopher Nolan's Joker was one of the least comic book accurate jokers that you (laughs) ever likely to see. And it was so good. And the same goes for Joaquin Phoenix. You know, Jack Nicholson is the only really comic book accurate Joker that we've seen. You know, he fell into an acid vat and was turned into a crazy murdering guy. But even his origin story isn't quite accurate because Batman, you know, didn't um, didn't have any uh, sort of – he was the Red Hood, wasn't he, in in that? So first to put – Yeah, The
1: the comic book accuracy thing, that that does not hold up. Like if you make a good character in a good movie – And he's a clown anarchist. You got a Joker. Yeah. That's all you need. Exactly. Um, So like, I don't know, that whole, that whole criticism too of like, oh, we've never seen him from the good. Well, then maybe you created something new. Like, and also it's not unbelievable that a guy who, as he even says in Dark Knight, like... Go back to ripping off mob dealers no no like he yeah. would he would he didn't start off as as this psycho clown killer like he started off on the streets on some level and moved his way up um it would make sense that you would have a version of the joker that probably grew up on the streets of gotham and instead of it being like maybe more traditional mob style street uh it's more like thug ghetto street yeah And I just thought of him as like a ghetto joker. Like he grew up in the streets of Gotham and was a gangbanger. And just that was his style of kind of gangs. Yeah. Um, So I didn't have a problem with that. And then going into this, you know, I thought this epilogue was awesome. I mean, it wasn't perfect. It was great. But like, especially paying off. What what if it's if it sounds like I'm annoyed in my voice? It's because it got a ton of criticism. Some people said it we didn't need it at all, and I'm just like, I you know me, I'm the first one. First of all, I love being this wrong. I love the fact that like I'm now defending the Snyder Cut. Never thought this would happened.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it's crazy because if you take it out and then Zach says, oh, this is what we could have done, people would go nuts saying, well, why didn't you do it? So you're in Catch-22. You you put it in and you get moaned at or you don't and you do. So, um, I just like
1: everyone bitched in BVS, me included. I was one of them that that scene never got paid off. And so many people were like, well, we got a Justice League movie coming and this and that. And it's like, to an extent, I still don't let it off the hook, but I still now like, yeah, do we need it? It was one of the first things I was looking forward to. I was like, that shit better get paid off. Yeah and it completely got
0: paid off. It did. Yeah. And it, it was important to have Jared Leto come back. I think it was more of a... Uh, it, it, it was great to see, and it was a big middle finger to the studios that not only messed his version <laughs> up, they messed David Ayer's version up. So he's like, right, I'm going to just get Jared Leto back in. Um, it totally I think it was. Impo- it was important for the fans as well to see that, hang on a minute, this guy can be a great joker. You know, you, you he's been criticised in Suicide Squad, but he can he can do it he's a great joker he loves the character we already know that so yeah
1: i mean clearly like i mean just in casting you say the words jared leto joker that completely works just those words yeah um and then we get this final vision of him where it's way closer to this gangster guy that we talked about before which once again you and i can accept there being a difference but this is way more Absolutely. let's say traditional joker like he's got the long hair um you know the makeup's closer not covered in tattoos and stuff dude completely delivers uh, you know is parts of it he's terrifying he's creepy as fuck like just really weird he's he's um effectively funny he delivers funny lines and i hear pretentious i hear It went too far. Like it's too much shock humor. Like when he says the thing about the reach around or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, you really just can't satisfy anyone. Like this is an R-rated DC universe. Like I think Joker totally would say something weirdly ball breaking slash homosexual to to Batman. Guys say that kind of crap to each other all the time when they break balls. Yeah,
0: Um, exactly. It's famous in Dark Knight Returns that Joker is actually gay in in that. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, Frank Miller wrote his Joker is a gay character, so you know,
1: and like and I don't, I don't think people are criticizing him because there's homosexuality. I think they're they're trying to say that that was shock humor. Yeah, uh, my response to that is, first of all, if you're going to be woke, like pick what it is, because <laughs> if if it's gay, it shouldn't shock you. And number two, it's also like even if you're not trying to be woke. I think that's exactly the kind of thing the Joker would say, especially a Jared Leto. Like, you know, I mean, he is a beautiful man. It's I'm, I'm, I tend to like girls or I only like girls, let's say, but he is an undeniably good looking dude. Um, I think to give him like, have a long hair kind of, you know, those big blue eyes and stuff, not play into that kind of like gay banter. I mean, not to not play into it, but I, I think it totally works. Um, I didn't bump up into that at all. I mean, were 100% of the lines in the whole epilogue, including Joker, perfect? No, but I thought that that was just a great like, oh, it's an epilogue to this huge Snyder Cut thing that uh, we're obviously the whole project, you're tying up loose ends, you're ending this huge trilogy, as well as uh, you're doing like three things. You're ending a trilogy, you're setting up for a sequel, but you're also, once again, ending it. Like that's you're you're like you could not get a justice league 2 um you're turning this whole thing into a trilogy while also ending it and i just think that like you know that's a big impressive feat of uh of storytelling there and the epilogue was absolutely crucial to it to get a joker as i mean look it started off this batman it's we got a batman v superman story to never get a joker uh, on the same screen as Batman is ludicrous. That was a perfect way, I think, to tie it yep. up. Um, and I, you know, pretentious. What? Yeah. Again, Jared Leto, Joker. Like Jared Leto yeah. is pretentious as fuck. What did you expect? Exactly. I yeah. mean, he's a method There's actor. Some lines the lines and that. Would the great. guy shows up to set. Like I guarantee you, he showed up to set dressed as a Joker, talking like the Joker, because that's how he acts.
0: Yeah, he does. He, I mean, there's that famous story where he sent people like dead pigs and stuff in Suicide Squad, wasn't there? Um, you know, it, it, he gets really involved in the character and that's that's good. Um, I don't see why that would be a, a negative thing. And he even got criticism for that, which is insane, but... And also he is the only Joker ever to appear in more than one movie. So that'll annoy the, um, oh cool the anti-letto the anti people that'll annoy them. So that's good. But um, some of the lines he came up with and that were great. Like, um, like truce Bruce, yeah. when he talks about that and, you know, sending a boy wonder to do a man's job and you know, they're just brilliant lines and really deep cutting. And Ben Affleck's um, response to him as well was, was brilliant when he's like, you know, make no mistake, I will fucking kill you. Like, just <laughs> so good great interaction really dark and classic batman and joker interaction It was just so good which we haven't seen for so many years no
1: and what's also cool about it too is that you can go as far as you want with that scene because you know that's it's not only an elseworld it's the exact elseworld that batman wants to prevent he doesn't want it to turn into that yeah you know so yeah. it's like go nuts i mean i don't mind that there's and again, the whole time this thing has been R-rated. So people are pissy about like cursing. And I just I was so surprised to hear. I'm not trying to like just illuminate the negative, but I was very surprised because I was that was one of the highlights of the movie for me. Um, the way he shot it was stylized totally different from the rest of it because it's a nightmare. Like, yeah, things will be yeah. out of focus and weird. And I just love the way he shot. Um, the sun's right behind Joker, and it comes in oh, and out of. That was of focus. great. Wasn't it? Yeah. Like as a photographer, yeah, you, th- this whole movie you must have just been drooling.
0: It was absolutely amazing how they pieced that together, and the the scenes um, that they filmed were all filmed separately as well. So um, when they filmed uh, Joker, Batman wasn't actually in the room. It was, you know, Joker was basically talking to himself, and uh, it was quite famous that uh, Ezra Miller. His scene in that, oh, was, I didn't know uh, that had to be filmed on Zoom. Ezra Miller was filmed on Zoom when uh, they did that scene. And uh, yeah, so they, they never actually got any of the characters in one room together. They just filmed them all separately.
1: Um, yeah, I just def- I definitely wanted to talk about the Jared Leto stuff and that's cool. I, I didn't know that stuff about them yeah. uh, shooting it yeah. separate.
0: It's, it's absolutely fascinating and they're, they're so... It's just such a great scene, and with Deathstroke there as well. Deathstroke looks amazing, and the way they sort of yeah. tie um, uh, Aquaman dying into then the conversation between Batman and Joker about Robin dying. You know, he knows exactly what it's like to lose someone close to him. And, yeah, it really, really good. Really enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, that – I mean – I just knew the second she said, "You have no idea what it's like to lose somebody." I was like, "Oh, that's the wrong guy to say that to."
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. And then it's perfect to have of all yeah, characters, the Joker, you know, defending Batman essentially.
0: Yeah, it was brilliant, and and that will annoy Batman even more. You know, he knows how to get into Bruce's mind and and annoy him because he knows full well that signing with Batman will really piss Bruce off, and he'll get really annoyed with it and then that line as well about harley quinn i mean that was just so good ah oh, so good absolutely amazing um
1: yeah and then finally i guess uh we can wrap with this the deathstroke slash um set up for legion of doom baby like wow. this is the first time that what's his name that this lex luthor didn't annoy me and here's another master stroke once again making all the things ben didn't like about these movies good and they even have a line in this movie of like at first you know he's not annoying me Uh, obviously he's got the shaved head but it's like jesse eisenberg way toned down that that really kind of like cranked up to 15 performance and they even have a line because deathstroke says you know you're a few something apple short of a barrel whatever the term is to say like i heard you're out of your mind and lex luthor goes well the good doctors yeah. of gotham uh fix that or whatever so it's like you have an explanation for a once annoying character once again Zack snyder going i hear your complaints i am now going yeah. to make him not annoying
0: <laughs> oh, honestly ben you summed it up perfectly it's that, yeah, couldn't word it any better. It's Perfect because um, we now know exactly uh, why he's changed, how he's changed, and what is going to happen to him. You know, when he he talks also about, oh, I've got far more important things to do, um, which is great. You know, he's no longer going to sort of be obsessed with one individual thing. He's just going to go for a big, bigger, higher goal, and he's you know going to collect uh, this league together himself. And the when he delivers the line to. Um, deathstroke about you know bruce wayne being batman so good
1: yeah um i mean the deathstroke stuff he looked how good did that suit
0: look i mean it looks straight out the arkham game didn't it absolutely phenomenal suit um and he just looks so good like joel i can't pronounce his second name so joe i can't pronounce his second name is it magnello or something like that but yeah he um he looks perfect as slade wilson he really does he's got that stature to him and it just looks he, he just looks phenomenal as deathstroke and he, he looks like he could you know be a a military experiment gone wrong and he could go around smashing up batman and yeah it would be uh, an amazing movie to see that and uh yeah hope we get it one day but you know who knows ben affleck seems open to playing batman again which she is going to be doing in the future. So yeah, it should be good. Yeah. Such good stuff, man.
1: Um, all right, Scott, thank you so much for coming by. What, uh, any final thoughts on Zack Snyder's justice league, or, um, if you obviously you can come back anytime, but, uh, yeah. Any final thoughts on justice league?
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's just an absolutely incredible movie. And the fact that it even came out was uh, one thing, but I mean, it's good for the fans that for so long believed this would be different. Uh, And so many people said it would be, you know, the same movie or, you know, you know, Zach butchered the movie. No one could admit it. Well, it's nice to just have that sort of justification now. And I think it will open um, a lot of people's eyes as to, you know, why you shouldn't interfere in a director's movie. Uh, Well, Unfortunately, it will open everyone's eyes, apart from Warner Brothers. But um, yeah, I think it's just a massive moment for the fans, and you know, the restore the Schneiderverse movement since then has been absolutely massive. Like 1.5 million people in a day tweeting about Zack Schneider's uh, restore the Schneiderverse, which is amazing. Which you know, to put that into perspective, it's the highest hashtag. Ever in comic books, I do believe you know it was higher than Endgame, which is just absolutely ridiculous to even contemplate. So, yeah, they'd be mad not to restore the Schneiderverse, but we'll see. You know, Warner Brothers had a difficult time swallowing their pride, so we'll see. Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens, but I sure hope it does. And yeah, this movie is amazing, and I will definitely be watching it again very, very soon. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. I think for me, that's uh, one of the most enjoyable things about it, people. that didn't um enjoy Zach Schneider's work before and are now really rooting for um a restore the Schneider movement, which shows you how massive it is really.
1: Yeah, man. I like you said, it's just amazing. I the whole the fact that this thing comes out of projects like this just make me feel old. Like all of this grows out of a hashtag. I didn't even know what a hashtag was, you know, <laughs> ten years ago. And then you have a whole movement grow so out true. of something that You end up getting financing for, as we talked about throughout this episode, you know, superhero stuff, uh, essentially a $70 million, whoops, here's the money for what we (laughs) messed up. Um, And the people have spoken, man. And then again, like hashtag restore the Snyderverse. I am all about with HBO and I have full optimism, as we talked about throughout the episode with uh, HBO Max, that that is possible, that we can also start. Once again, it's like do what DC does best—multiverse shit. Now you know we have this filmmaker doing this over here, James Gunn, the Suicide Squad. That looks great to me. And now there's a a uh, Peacemaker series spun out of that, and you're going to have that on HBO Max. I'm just so glad that um, Snyder got to see his final vision. It's a fascinating way that we got it, and that HBO Max made it possible. Uh, I love being wrong, as I said a million times. <laughs> and once again, like speaking of storytelling in real life you know you and I as friends going back three years at this point like that's a good three-act structure of uh, me not liking BVS and then coming full circle with like holy shit this guy is a great storyteller um and I'm so yeah. glad that he made things that I previously did not like count so much for these characters that I love so much and uh I couldn't have had a better person to share this with scott so thank you once again for coming on man
0: no problem at all anytime and thank you for inviting me really enjoyed uh, talking all things schneider first time i've spoke about it actually so it's been good fun to uh, get in depth and analyze it but there's so much to take in it does take time to think about everything that's uh, gone on it's a very long and brilliant movie
1: oh uh, and you know best thing for me it's an excuse to talk to my friend that i haven't talked to in a
0: while <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no i agree with that I miss you, man. Yeah, same. But we'll have to do it again soon, definitely.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, we'll do this more again when I have uh, the new studio next month. Uh, I'm going to be doing calls like crazy, so we got to do this again soon. Sound good?
0: Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Well, up for that, and good luck with moving as well.
1: Awesome. All right. So that is it for our. I don't know exactly what to call this yet, but uh, Zach Snyder Justice League. A few weeks later, we'll call it that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Oh, actually, before we plug our stuff, Scott, I didn't—I uh, forgot to plug you up front. Plug your stuff.
0: Oh, that's quite right. Um, so you'll find me on Instagram at the.batfan, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, dude, uh, the toy photography from the gentleman we're speaking with today is unparalleled. Honestly, like even since we last talked, you're getting... It's like how could he get any better and you just still get better? Um, you, you're so good at it, you really have your own style and I once again, this is why I watched this movie through different eyes because I'm like, I know Scott is just like eating this up. So uh, <laughs> check out Scott's stuff.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. i I had a lot of time to uh, to try and improve over the last year as we all know. Toy photography has been almost the perfect hobby for COVID when you can't go anywhere and speak to anyone so yeah that's worked out quite well if you can take some light from it
1: awesome man well uh thank you scott once again please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already we're on apple spotify wherever you listen to podcasts again we are dc collecticast please subscribe uh to our youtube channel once again that's above and batman beyond we have a bunch of collectibles coverage on there interviews from toy fair uh (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Interviews from Toy for interviews with Todd McFarlane, Jim Fletcher, to name a few. And with the McFarlane Batman Beyond figure arriving, hopefully sooner than later. Um, we'll definitely have some video coverage of that coming soon. Just, just check us out in video form as well. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just like the show, we are at DC Collecticast, And cast um, And this has been Benjamin David telling you to keep collecting. Thanks again, Scott.
0: Thank you, Ben. Hey everybody this is Todd McFarland here I got the DC Multiverse and you're listening to DC Collector Cast